Welcome to this podcast of But What Do I Know for tattooers and pretty much anyone who wants to listen. This week, I'm joined by one of my best friends and sponsors, Rob Smead, the owner of Electrum Stencil Primer and Electrum Stencil Products and Electrum Supply Store and squirrels all around the world. What's up, Rob? What's up, brother? How are you? Not bad, man. Just chilling here in sunny California where it's on fire. Yeah, everything's on fire out there on the West Coast. Yeah, it's not too cool. Hard to breathe. No, no, it's just uh, <laughs> overcast and flat here in Indiana and uh, about 80 degrees today and humid. So I may, I'd rather probably be in California, even though it's burning. You know, Indiana's kind of a dreary place, man. Yeah, oh, I remember. I remember the first time I think uh, I went there, I met you, you picked me up, and there was like a horse and buggy on the freeway. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? In the totally. Dude, on? I'm actually staring at two horse and buggies right now while we're talking, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Jeez, um, yeah, I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, That's yep, I'm in a parking lot full of cars, and then there's a couple horse and buggies over here, too. It's <laughs> just the way it rolls <laughs> out here. So rad, yeah. I liked Indiana. It was cool. Yeah, I was sick when I was there, but it was cool. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's uh, it's Midwest all the way. You know, there's not a if you like mountains and ocean, there's none of that here. It's uh, mostly a lot of farmland and rural areas, and kind of boring, I guess. But it's what I'm used to. I like boring, man. <laughs> Traffic out here is insane. Yeah, we don't have any of that craziness, dude. I, I I'm glad to be home every time I visit a big city, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, and that's where your headquarters is. Is are you in Goshen? Is that how you say it? I live in Goshen. Uh, headquarters is in Elkhart, which is the next town over. So, uh, my shop and uh, the warehouse is about eight miles away from my house. Okay, so that's not bad no, it's close. Yeah, I see. You spend a lot of time there, you and your Adrian, just yeah. just killing. Yeah, it. dude. Uh, it's it's cool, man. I got. Uh, I pretty much have uh, a good majority of my family working for me now, you know, Andy, my wife, uh, she still does all the books and, uh, you know, the, helps manage the financial side of things and, you know, keeps my wild spending habits in check. And uh, Adrian, you know, she's pretty much running the whole supply side of things. We got both sides of the business, you know, we, we didn't start as a supply company, obviously. We just started uh, back when I was still working in a shop, you know on a regular basis tattooing and that's kind of when kryptonite at the time was born and it, and yeah. it was just a part-time thing uh just making those products for me and the guys in my shop is kind of how it all started and everything just kind of blossomed from there yeah dude. but yeah so adrian my daughter runs the supply side of the business basically and i'm still focused on new product development and marketing and uh the wholesale side and uh, manufacturing, you know, we manufacture almost all of our products in house. So. Yeah. I've seen that process, man. It's potent. Like yeah, it. dude. It's uh, it's cool, <laughs> man, to be able to, to be able to do that stuff. You know, I think uh, a lot of these companies out here outsource their manufacturing and they don't really make their products, you know, and that's kind of what sets us apart a little bit. You know, we actually, when we advertise that we're, you know, by artists for artists, that's a true statement. You know, we actually make this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, and we employ people in the industry to work for us and it works out well, man. It's all, it's all kept in the industry, dude. That's what I want to keep doing. Yeah. And you're killing it over there in the UK. Yeah, dude, that's my biggest market still, man. Europe has been really good to us. Um, 
and that's uh that's due in large part to our friend chris 51 you know he's the one that uh opened that door for me many years ago when he still had the ink company yeah was it Kill, killer ink is that who you pretty much yeah killer ink man supply yeah i've had a really good relationship with those guys for going on six years now they're uh pretty much family to me man you know like uh They've done a lot to help get Electrum out there, man, and marketing, and they've spent a lot of their own money to build our brand over there, and, and we'll be forever grateful to them. I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I'm at without those guys over there. Yeah, man. Let's let's talk a little bit, like, when, you know, when we, you started and stuff, it was kryptonite, and you had to change your whole business, basically, in, you know, a couple weeks, yeah, that, all of a sudden. Yeah, that was a nightmare, man. It was a, that was a really scary moment, man. <laughs> yeah, I get, you know, I got home one day and uh, opened the mailbox like I do every day to get the mail. And then there's a letter in there from a legal firm. And of course, I didn't have any idea what it was before I opened it. I didn't you know panic didn't set in immediately. I get letters like that kind of stuff all the time. But I opened that one up and it was actually from DC Comics a legal firm. And uh, it was a cease and desist letter, basically. And there were some financial demands in there and my freaking about shit my pants dude you know like i i didn't even know what to think dude i was pretty green back then you know i didn't know half the stuff i know now about product development and trademarks and patents and i thought about that stuff but dude who the hell would have ever thought a word like kryptonite was trademarked you know what i mean i would have never even thought like yeah. some dumb green rock would have been a trademark name you know yeah and it uh, turns out it's trademarked so <laughs> They didn't, they didn't like me using that name. They wanted me to stop using that name. And at that point in time, I had Killer Inc. obviously already on board. And I had a few distributors in the United States. We weren't, we weren't doing anything massive, thank God. But I had product that was out there. And they wanted me to recall all the product and wanted all my distributors to change, you know, pull it off of their websites. And I thought I was going to have a real big financial shit show on my hands, man, you know. Yeah. But I got on the phone with their attorneys, dude, and uh, they turned out to be really decent people. They were, uh, you know, that letter was basically just a scare tactic, which is probably what most people do. You know, I'm, I don't think anybody really wants to spend money on lawyers and court and things like that. You know, I think everybody tries to settle things outside of court. And as long as people are agreeable, I think that stuff usually works out. And I wasn't I wasn't an asshole to them. You know, I apologized for infringing on, you know, what they obviously had spent a lot of money in trademarking and things like that. And they were. They were cool about everything, dude. You know, they just they just basically, you know, waived any of the monetary side of things. They didn't make me recall my product. They just made me, you know, I had to go on Google and take down all the images of anything that had to do with kryptonite. I had to make sure all my distributors took those pictures down. And and uh, they gave me a certain period of time to get all that accomplished. And it ended up working out better in the end. Yeah, I still wear I still support that banner, you know, the kryptonite yeah, banner. Yeah, dude. I think another big part of the problem, you know what? what was really kind of a stick in the mud with them, dude, was that I was actually, I took some old images of Christopher Reeve, you know, and I actually swapped the Superman logo out with our company logo. And I was using that in our advertising. And I think that's really what really freaking, you know, tipped them over the edge. You know, they probably wouldn't have cared so much that I was using the word kryptonite. I mean, you think about it, there's like that bike lock company out there that's called kryptonite locks. And there's a couple other companies out there that use the word kryptonite. So I don't think, I don't think it was so much that that tipped the scales towards them coming at me legally. I think it was more the fact that I was using actually some images of Superman and uh, things from the comics, you know, and I think that's kind of what tipped it. Yeah. You know, it caused them yeah, to come you, after me. 
You, you have that uh, Sisu Assist hanging on your wall. I've seen it. I, I do, man. You know, like I said, dude, that's uh, as scary as that was. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of flattering, dude, I guess, to hit the hit the radar of a big comic book company like that. You know, DC is a, is a big, big company, man. And uh, I'm a comic book nerd, dude. I love comic books. So, dude, I'm like been reading comics ever since I was a kid. So, like, and Batman's one of my favorites. So, I love DC, dude. So, like, that was a... Uh, that was a freaking uh, an achievement to me, kind of like in a negative way, I guess. But I took, I try to take it in a positive manner. You know, I'm like, dude, this is kind of cool, man. Like, I hit the freaking radar on DC Comics, dude. <laughs> yeah. They know who I am now. You know, that's kind of a fucking yeah. big deal to me. You need to start writing comics right now, dude. <laughs> Sell it to them. Right now is the time. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know, man. I'm not. I don't. I got enough other projects, dude. I'm trying to get podcasts off the ground and all this stuff I've been having on the back burner for years, dude, I don't even know how I could fit anything else into my schedule right now. Could be an Ansel comic, <laughs> you know, a little, little squirrel on the loose. Well, you know, man, I probably need to reach out to Chris and uh, James Mullen and have them do that for me because they were writing some comic books together there for a minute. I don't know if they're still doing oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah, and it was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah, so maybe I need to reach out to them and say, hey, guys, want to freaking do an Ansel comic for me? Yeah, James would love to. You know him. He could probably bust out the drawings in a couple days. Oh, a couple hours. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that dude whips out dogs faster than anybody I've ever seen, man. Yeah, him and Dave Tevinall. I'm just like, what? How? Wait, what? I've been working six hours on this goddamn anchor. <laughs> <laughs> you get an 11 by 17 intense piece? What the Dude, hell? I've seen James have downtime at shows, man, and he'll just whip out some blank freaking 11 by 17s and some markers and i'll come back in like two hours and they'll have like freaking four drawings and i'm like what the hell dude and they'll be <laughs> yeah. full color and everything and i'm like what the yeah. fuck <laughs> like, crazy it's like he holds five markers in one hand and just kind of knows where well, it's go. crazy man it's all that muscle memory yeah. thing you know it's like those it's like he's he's so used to drawing these things dude he can just whip them out like it's true, dude. He's been tattooing since like 1947. Yeah, he's an old bastard, man. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm surprised he doesn't have arthritis and like Parkinson's disease yet. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure he's got to be getting close to those kinds of things. His back's pretty rough, <laughs> oh, dude. I've dude. seen him, yeah, being pain. <laughs> Some good pain. Yeah, he works hard. Yeah, dude, that works guy's. He's one of the hardest working tattoo artists I know, man. Yeah, for sure. Yep, but. So let's let's get back to this. Uh, let's talk about supplies, and um, I'd like to talk about like you know, supplying, you know, buying from China and stuff, and you know how people think it's always a bad thing, but there are actually good companies out there that make some good products. Yeah. but you're just gonna spend the money. Yeah, but yeah. So like you would know more than me about that. Let's talk about that. Well, uh, what do you want to talk about specifically? I mean, I don't. It... I mean, most needles come from China. The majority of them do, say, yeah, they I'd do. I'd say pretty much all cartridges, you know. I, you I, some good and bad. I, I'm thinking offhand, dude. I don't know any, and there could be some. I mean, I'm just thinking right, you know. From you kind of put me on the spot, but like I don't know offhand any any cartridges out there that are actually made in the United States. I don't know of any of them. I know, yeah. you know, I don't even Cheyenne. I don't. I know that they've done some things in their manufacturing. I know. They always made their cartridges in Germany, and I think they still do. They have those craft cartridges out now, and I'm not sure where those are being made. But a lot of that stuff, yeah, a lot okay. of that stuff's really hush hush. You know, a lot of people don't talk about where they get stuff manufactured, and um, 
there's maybe three or four companies over in China that, that are manufacturing the bulk of, uh, of what's being sold in the United States. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. I mean, except for, you know, the whole tariffs and all that stuff. But... Yeah, which hasn't, to my knowledge, we, we just got those tariff schedules last week and we're, we've been reviewing those. To my, to my knowledge, um, those haven't hit any tattoo products yet. At least that I haven't seen any and I haven't, I haven't been paying any tariffs coming in yet. But that all goes into effect next month, I think September 1st, so. So we'll know then. Yeah, we'll know then. And it's, you know, if that happens, it's going to cause, it will basically cause any tattoo related products that are being sold in the United States to, they'll, they'll be, they'll have to be marked up about 25% to cover those tariffs. Ugh. So that could get nasty, man. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it could. And I know T-Tech had problems shipping out to America all the way from Canada right next door. Yep. 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 Man, it's it's a lot of effects on that. It's issues, but... you know. It's issues, dude. It's not just that, man. A lot of people, you know, you know, I, I see a lot of artists, you know, complain about pricing and things like that. But a lot of people don't understand, man. There's like, it's expensive to get stuff into the United States, man. Like, especially if, uh, you know, if the, if customs decides that tattoo needles or whatever are coming in or a medical device, then you have to get FDA clearance, and then you have to have special licenses for that. That costs extra money, you know. It's it's a big ball game, dude. It's it's uh, it's not just a matter of buying something over there for what people think is cheap, and then people are coming back here and marking it up two hundred percent. In most cases, that's not how it works. Yeah. A lot of these supply companies aren't making money hand over fist, dude. There's not there's not huge margins in the tattoo supply business. No, it's and it keeps you know, way too busy. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's uh, I see a lot of people that want to start supply companies, dude, and and. Uh, it's it's not an easy it's not an easy thing at all it's uh it's a very tough business to be in especially getting you know the agreements and contracts with a lot of the individual companies redemption all those inkies i mean sure that takes time too well yeah dude and it's all it's all very political man it's like uh you know like eternal let's let's talk about eternal for example the ink company you know they have a tattoo supply company as well and so you have companies like that, and and obviously we carry Eternal Ink, and Eternal carries Electrum. So you have a business relationship there on one side, but then on the other side, you're also kind of competing with one another on the supply side of the business. So you have to be, you got to mind all your P's and Q's all the time. You know what I mean? It's you can't go out and do guerrilla marketing where you're like encouraging people to not buy from specific companies because you do business with them as well and you have to maintain those relationships and you have to keep everything respectable. You know, you, you got to respect everybody's business. So I don't, I don't know that everybody plays by those rules, but I play by those rules. You know what I mean? I don't, if you're buying from eternal, yeah. keep buying from eternal. You know, I, I, I only started supplies because I was selling Electrum and um, it just made sense. You know, like we would have so many people messaging us saying, you know, I'm, I'm buying Electrum from you. It'd be cool if you guys carried some ink and, you know, we started carrying Formula 51 back when it was still a thing. And, and that's just kind of how it all started, you know. And and then I just started adding more like stencil-related supplies, like thermal paper and skin scribes and markers and just anything that was relating to a tattoo stencil. You know, that was my primary focus in the beginning. And it just kind of grew from that, you know. And and, uh, and now we're just a full-on supply company, and we just keep adding more and more products. And that's just kind of the evolution of it. Do you still think you're known more for your stencil product than actual supplies? Um, 
Well, we still try to maintain a separation between the two sides of the business. You know, that's why we have we have different Instagram accounts for the stencil products, and then we have an Instagram account for the supply side. And uh, same thing with the Facebook pages. You know, I have a Facebook page for Electrum Supply, and I have a Facebook page for Electrum Stencil Products. And we don't we don't really cross promote too much. And for a period of time there, I thought about merging everything, but I like it better being separate, you know, because I can market the stencil products or any new products that we're developing, you know, through the Electrum Stencil Products page. And then I can keep the supply side just strictly to, to promoting supplies. And on the Electrum Stencil Products page, you know, on the Instagram, that's primarily used for promoting artists that use our products. You know, we don't even really every, – every so often we'll post a product post, but most of the time we're posting uh, work that people do. Uh, that use our products you know and tag our products you know we try to spread that love and give back to to the people that support us yeah for sure So i don't really want to i don't i don't know what i'm better known for but but i definitely try to keep that separation in in those two identities uh separate from one another yeah and you just came out with a new stencil product your gold standard yeah that's uh well we launched that in um april at hell city actually in columbus and then uh it launched in europe in may and i went over there for the liverpool show to do the launch there so yeah it's been uh about five or six months now it's been out there yeah how how's it going with it like you know i mean i use it i use both depending on the piece you know if it's a bigger piece i actually use the the green stuff if it's a smaller piece i'll use you know, medium to smaller, I'll use a gold standard white stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going good, dude. I get really confused on the feedback I get from people because uh, there's never any consistency between artists. You know, that's one of the most frustrating things in the industry is that when you're trying to develop products or you're trying to test things, you're trying to get feedback from people so you can really dial things in and, and get it to what's going to work best for everyone. But like you just said, you're you're using the green for the bigger pieces and, and the white for the uh, the gold standard for the smaller pieces. I have other artists that are completely opposite of you. You know, they like to use the green on the smaller pieces and the gold standard for the, for the more detailed hyperrealism stencils, you know, that, that have a lot more intricate lines and stuff like that. So I don't really know, dude, you know, based on the feedback I get from people, I'm just kind of scratching my head all the time, dude. I'm like, <laughs> I don't really, you know what I mean? It's like, it's different for everybody, man. So I don't, I know both products work great. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think, um, it wasn't intentional, but I think the gold standard actually works a little bit better. I mean, I think that it holds a little bit stronger. It gets a little bit tackier. Um, and it pulls more of the purple off of the, the thermal paper. It makes a darker stencil than the green does. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's easier to apply, you know, I don't want to say dummy proof, but kind of. Yeah. The green, you got to get it just right. But when you do, that shit's on point. It won't go anywhere. But yeah, I love them both. Honestly, at first, I couldn't tell much of a difference. I was like, oh, this kind of is the same. But as I kept using it, I'm like, yeah, no, I really I really enjoy both of them for different reasons. It's actually whatever's closer. Yeah, to yeah. Personally, <laughs> man, I still use the green, dude. I mean, that's that's what I made for myself originally, you know, and that's what I got comfortable using. And, and uh, I had the gold standard developed like three years ago, man, and I just locked it away in the safe because I didn't really want – it took me – it literally took me three years of – of battling with myself internally to decide if I wanted to put a product out there that competed with, with the green formula. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't want to have that out there for the first three years. You know, I was like, I, 
I think it's going to hurt me to put a product out there that competes with the other one that I already have, you know, but, yeah. but eventually, man, I got enough people that were like, I couldn't get them to move off of the other products, you know, like they just, they couldn't get used to that gel or they just couldn't, like you were saying, you know, it's, it's tricky to get dialed in, man. And I think a lot of people are impatient and they don't want to take the time to get around that learning curve. So they just give up on it and they go back to whatever they were used to using and, and, um, I think it's important, you know, that, that, uh, that I put a product out there that, w- that was more agreeable with people that couldn't get the green down. So that's eventually why I decided to release that one. Yeah. And yeah. Cause I remember I tried it out, but yeah, but like you said, about three years ago when you sent it to me, I was like, yeah, this stuff's awesome. You know? Yeah. And three years later, you kind of released it. And since then there's been fuck like 20 new stencil products that have come out outside of your company oh yeah dude it's crazy dude and i want to talk about that for a minute too because this is a good platform to talk about uh, a specific topic uh, that a lot of people i don't think are aware of or maybe they're aware of it and they just don't care i would hope that most tattoo artists out there tattooing today really care about safety and and the well-being of their clients and and um you know i'll go back to the beginning of when i started all this you know uh I'm an old school guy, dude. And I, and I was, uh, I was a speed stick guy back in the day. I think we all were, you know, I think we've all gone through those stages where we slathered speed stick on people and, and put stencils on with that. And, yep. and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's like, you know, that's like seventies and eighties, uh, technology, you know, with stencils, dude. And, and at some point in time, you have to progress past those things, man, because the reality of it is that most deodorants like the green speed stick are not, really safe to be injecting into people you know there's uh there's metal content in that stuff and and you you shouldn't be injecting metal anything aluminum or anything into your client's bloodstream so i want i had a i had an artist in our shop at the time was using that old recipe where they were melting down speed stick and mixing it with some alcohol and some green soap and that shit worked so good you know what i mean but but it still had that deodorant in it. And I wanted to find a way to make a product that held that good, but that was safe to use and was non-toxic, you know? So that's kind of how it all started, man. And I just started diving into chemistry and, and mixing things up and figuring out how chemicals work together. And and I never outsourced this to anyone, dude. I never like went to anybody else and asked for any, you know, uh, help with any formulas or anything like that. I, I spent months, you know, working on this stuff while I was working in the shop, you know, and, and eventually we came up with what, what you see out there today as Electrum and it's a safe product, dude. And, and that brings me back to the point that I wanted to talk about is that like a lot of these stencil products that are popping up that are like these green lotion based products, dude, that all that is, is melted down speed stick, dude. They're not doing anything different. Like they're just taking speed stick and melting it down, mixing it up and turn it into a lotion and selling it to people. And that stuff is not safe to use, dude. I would not tell anybody to buy that stencil product. Stick to the stuff like stencil stuff or anchored and and uh, those kinds of products are safe to use. And those are the stuff that you should be using. So if you don't like Electrum, I don't mind plugging those other products because they're safe to use. And if that's what you like to use, then use those products. But stay away from those green melted down deodorant products. Those are not safe to put into people. Yeah. People that are making those have not done their research. They're just out there trying to make a fast buck off of a, of a niche. You know what I mean? And as a tattoo, if they're tattoo artist owned companies, they're doing a disservice to the industry by putting those products out there. 
Yeah, I agree. And like you said, those three that you mentioned, well, Electrum, Anchor, and Stencil stuff, I mean, those are easily the three most used, you know, stencil products out there. Yeah. I mean, I always, you know, try to plug people on to Electrum. They're like, oh, I'm using Anchor. I'd really like it. Or I'm using Stencil stuff. That's what I know. And I'm like, all right, so be it. If you want your stencil to not last. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, dude, it's whatever, dude. You know what I mean? Uh, Different strokes for different folks, dude. And I don't knock. I don't get offended if I go to a show and I see people using those other products. I don't try to turn them away from whatever they're used to using. You know, I, it, it's whatever you're used to, dude. And and I know the people that own those other companies. Uh, I'm cool with them in most cases. And uh, I, I've never used uh, I've never used the tactic of bashing other products to promote my own, dude. And I never will. Like I said, if if uh, if those products are what you use, then you should keep using those products. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, I used stencil stuff for years before I made Electrum and, and I had to move off of that because, you know, I just found that when I was getting into longer detailed stencils, uh, I'm a, I wipe a lot, dude. So those stencils were getting just tore up, man. And it, I needed something that worked better. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's why I came up with Electrum, you know, and, uh, and then I sent it out to Chris 51 and I never even had plans of mass, mass producing it and marketing and selling it to the industry. I just, sent some out to Oregon to Chris and uh, area 51 and dude, they were like nuts about it. And Chris is like, dude, you got to do something with this. And like I said, he had the ink company at the time and he already had distribution with some, some people. And so he just put me in contact with a few people. We got it in to a couple distributors and the rest is a history after that, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been definitely successful. Yeah, dude. I, I started doing seminars, dude, like on, um, I get a lot of emails and questions now about product development or people will message me and say, man, I got this really good idea for a product. Can I talk to you? And, and, uh, I started doing seminars now, uh, you know, teaching people about product development, the right ways to go about getting products off the ground, because the, the very last thing that you should do if you have an idea for a product is call your friends up or message me even and say, Hey, I got this idea for a product. Let me tell you all about it. You know, you shouldn't tell anybody about your ideas, man. You shouldn't tell anyone. (laughs) You shouldn't tell anyone. You need to keep that shit under your hat until you have it properly protected. And then you can go out and talk about whoever you want to talk about it with. But you have to have protection to be able to, to legally pursue action against anyone that would steal your idea or cut you out of a deal uh, because it happens every day, dude. I, I don't care if it's your mom and your dad, dude. Like I've seen best friends in this industry stab each other in the back over money, dude. And it's hundred percent. It's, it's cut drunk, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. You money changes people, dude. I don't care how good a friend you are. It changes people. Uh, it doesn't do that to everybody, but most people, man, are, um, you know, when they see a big pile of cash laying in front of them, they'll, they'll do some shady shit sometimes, man. So you always got to, you always got to protect your integrity and your, your uh, ingenuity and, and your creativity, dude. Don't, don't talk about stuff to anybody till you've got non-disclosures in place, till you've trademarked or patented things, uh, you know, then, it, then you can go out and talk to whoever you want, but until you have that protection, then you need to keep that stuff under your hat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was products I never came out with just cause I feel I told too many people. You know, so, and plus I didn't even know where to start. That was mostly what I was talking about. Where do I start with this? How do I get people to make this for me? And I just, 
I kind of gave up. I'm like, maybe I'll just stick to trying to tattoo, you know? Yeah, yeah, dude. Fuck. I love marketing. You know, I love manufacturing and uh, inventions, you know, engineering. I love doing all that stuff. And I love, I love it when other people are doing those things, too. And I love to be able to help people with that stuff. Uh, so, you know, if, if people have ideas, you know, feel free to reach out to me. But I'll give you all the advice and knowledge I can. But, uh, you know, don't don't reach out to me and say, man, I got this great idea for a new light or a new ink cap and then break the whole rundown to me. I'm not one of those guys that's going to steal your idea, but I'm just saying, don't, you know, make that be kind of your mindset where, you know, when you go talk to people, you know, just briefly introduce who you are and, and just say, I got a new idea that I think will go over really well. I just don't know how to get it off the ground. Is there any advice you could give me? And I'm more than willing to help people out with that kind of stuff you know i love to see people create new things especially if it's going to benefit us as artists you know yeah and and i feel with like the oversaturation of tattoo artists these days like it's hard for people even to get tattoos in their seats so they're always trying to find that next thing to make money so now we have so many artists you have so many products you have so many con you have all this stuff it's just an overload now and now you people like are confused they don't know what to pick i mean shit there's like 20 different ink companies out there, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, it's man. Insane. Like it's insane. Oh yeah. Tw tw 20 different ink companies and there's a hundred aftercare companies, you know, it's yep. uh, some segments of the industry are, are completely oversaturated, you know, and it's like, uh, people will come to me and say, I got an idea for an aftercare product. And I'm like, why? They're yeah. like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, why would you ever want to come out with another aftercare product? There's too much competition, dude. It's like that pie is sliced into so many pieces, dude. Like, you'll be lucky if you make five or ten grand a year off of an aftercare product. And that's if you bust your ass marketing. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, like, dude, it is not easy to, to, to create a brand, number one. Uh, it costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of time. So if you're going to do products like that, you know, try to find something that's unique and not, like, regurgitating what's already been done 200 times. Yep. Yeah. You, you're, you won't make any money doing that. No. People think they will. All they're doing is making themselves busier and working more hours. Dude, and I'm telling you, man, it is like it's nonstop, dude. It's like work all the time. And I, and some people are good with doing those kinds of things. And, and dude, sometimes you're going to sacrifice family. You're going to sacrifice friendships. And, you know, there there should be a price tag associated with things like that, dude. You know, like um, it's just not worth it to me, dude. I, I wouldn't. I say I would never come out with an aftercare product. I guess I kind of did. I've got that gold standard CBD soap coming out, which is more or less an aftercare product, but it is different than anything else that's out there. There are no, I am the first one that's developed a soap that's infused with uh, CBD. So everybody else is doing glides and ointments. And... Yeah. But yeah, it's uh. It's been weird, man. I always talk about the oversaturation in the industry and how it affects more than just tattooing itself. It's really, it really affects everything within the industry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely, dude. Um, conventions, you know, oversaturation of conventions. Yeah, and not and just artists in conventions. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. You know, you get conventions where they're like packing these things with like fucking a thousand booths, dude. And it's like, what? Man, it's yeah. crazy, dude. And then the price. The price points are all over the place, man. You'll have like, you'll have an artist up in there charging two hundred bucks an hour, and you'll have an artist in there charging fifty bucks an hour. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I it used think to be uh, the best of the best in there. Now it's like, eh, anyone can come. 
Yeah, and I, I don't. It's whatever, dude. I, I think. Uh, I think it's. I don't know, dude. I, I have mixed feelings on it. You know, I, I get it. It's a business. You know, like any other thing, it's a business, man. And it's uh, the idea behind any business is obviously to make money, monetize things. Uh, but at the yeah. same time, you know, our industry is a is one that uh, most people uh, hold sacred, and and some traditions would would be nice to be able to to have in place but at the same time i get it man you know it yeah. is what it is it's a billion dollar industry now so it's like yeah it's not going to change because a couple guys like me and you bitch about it dude you know we just got to kind of roll with the punches and make it work for us you know if we can and yeah, i think a lot of I think, people saying that <laughs> I, I think more more or less now dude i see i see more artists making more money on the road doing guest spots you know and i think that's kind of the way to people should start looking at things you know get out there and get your name out doing guest spots i think conventions are a great thing to do to make connections and network with people and other artists and meet other artists in different areas you know like if you're from california and you want to go out to maryland or or even maine where you're from you know like uh, you know meet some artists out there like chad chase or or those guys out in maine and do some guest spots out there you know these these shops stay packed, man. They've got constant foot traffic coming through the door. So you could go to these shops and make, make good money. You know, Hal Sawyer's got that shop down in Fayetteville. It's on the military yeah. base. And, dude, there's 20 shops down there, dude, and they're all healthy. Like, they're not – their chairs aren't ever empty, dude. Like, there's constantly somebody coming in to get tattooed. So if you're going to conventions and meeting people like that and doing guest spots, you know, you're going to make good money, dude, probably a lot better money than you're making in your hometown. You know, like, like here in my hometown, I was just talking to, to, uh, to my buddy, Jason. I don't know if you ever remember meeting him or not, but, uh, he owns the shop where I used to work at. And, uh, I was talking to him and we were talking about that specific thing last night, you know, like how hard it is to make money, uh, tattooing in this town because the clientele is just not conditioned to pay the money that, they would pay out say on the west coast you know what i mean it's, it's a completely different demographic so if an artist in elkhart wanted to make good money you know we'd have to actually travel and do guest spots to to, to get our to get our uh paycheck up to the next level i guess you know yeah that's kind of how it is out here you know cost of living so high and you got a shop on every block it's 10 artists per shop it's really tough i thought east coast compared to west coast tattooing is so much different East Coast, for one, it still has tradition. West Coast doesn't. It's, people are soft out here. I'm going to say it. They're soft. They can't take any criticism, nothing. E, you know, East Coast, it's like, you steal someone's client, you might get your hand broke. You know, like, <laughs> it's pretty harsh out there. So, you know, it's kind of how the industry, you know, and good artists stick together out here. Dog eat dog world, 100%. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's such a big difference. And I'm, I'm kind of struggling. You know, I opened a shop out here and all, but... It's, it's just such a – I can go back to Maine for two weeks and make more in Maine financially than I will here in three months. So it's insane. Like just oh, wow. loyal clients out there. No one wants to spend money out here. Out there, people will. They'll spend the money if they have it, you know. Yeah, because yeah. Good artists are far and few between in small town areas, you know. Besides, like really, you know, the East Coast, the conventions, 10 times better than the West Coast. Like, it's just everything about the East Coast and tattooing, in my opinion, is killing the industry and compared to the West Coast. We got great artists out here, like phenomenal. You got Nikos and all those guys. And, but at the same time, you know, those guys are the celebrity tattoo artists. The ones right. like me and all, you know, the underdogs, we're kind of on the bottom barrel, you know, compared to the East Coast where it's easier to get your name out because 
it's easier to travel in the East Coast than it is in the West Coast. You can drive to six different states here, and you can get to one state in that time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the you know? congestion's so bad out there. Yeah, it's it's really it's huge, man. Like, and we got supply companies out here, and you know, and that helps. They travel, you know, to shops every week and do that. But you guys might be hearing a train. That was actually the horse and buggy. It's actually <laughs> no. the sound of that. No, dude. A lot of people don't know this, man. But Elkhart is a major, a major. Uh, uh, we have one of the biggest train hubs in the in the country here in Elkhart, man. Like, a lot of cargo comes through here, dude. It's nonstop trains all day long. So, it doesn't matter where you're at in Elkhart. When there's a train rolling through, you'll hear it wherever you're at, man. It's, like, constant. Because there's, there's a train somewhere in Elkhart all the time. Like, <laughs> like all the time. It sucks, dude. That's the word. Dude, is, is trying to get across train tracks when you want to get from one side of town to the other. Because... Just recently, they started putting underpasses in. So, but you still have to travel six miles down the road to get to an underpass if the train blocking the tracks, dude. So it's kind of still a pain in the ass. Jesus. So that's like traffic <laughs> out here. <laughs> it's not. It's not that bad. It's like, it, it's it's still only four lane traffic here. You know, it's not stupid crazy highway traffic like you guys have. But it, it, it uh, it, it's never it's never bumper to bumper like creeping at ten miles an hour kind of stuff. But yeah, that's it's good. just sometimes. It's just sometimes you got to go out of your way to get, you know, you could be, you could see the store right across the tracks right there, but you'll have to drive six miles down the road to get to the underpass to get to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> going on, so that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the worst of it right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Indiana. It was cool. Like you said, it gets humid, but, uh, I, uh, the devil's hollow is out there, the convention, which you have a big yeah. part of that. And that's, I did that for two years. I couldn't make it this last one, but that's a good convention. And I yeah, it. man, it, it's it's been all right, dude. It 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 needs to be restructured. It needs some work, man. It's uh, I I haven't been overly pleased with the way it's gone the last couple of years. I think uh, I think uh, you know I want to I want to move that show to October and do more of a Halloween based show. And I've talked to uh, my partner in that, and and I think I finally got him on board with doing that because. Uh, Fort Wayne, where we where we put that show on, is actually um, they're really big in on Halloween in that area. And actually, you know, Devil's Hollow revolves around the whole. Uh, there's a whole urban legend that that's tied to that. Um, I won't get into all that. You can actually go on that website and read that whole thing if you wanted to. The Devil's Hollow website, but it's pretty interesting, man. So that whole town and that community there is very uh, very Halloween and and uh, you know lore driven i guess is the is the way to say that but i just thought it would be the perfect town to have a halloween show in you know and uh with all the connections we have in the entertainment industry you know we could get we could get some some uh some celebrities in there to do some autograph signings you know like uh you know some of the devil's rejects people or like kane hodder or yeah. you know any people like that that we know you know we could get people i want to do something different man with my shows you know like we were just talking with the oversaturation of conventions, you know, I, I'm sick of tattoo conventions, man. They're like, I'm just sick of going there and seeing the same thing all the time, you know, when the entertainment and the suspension and freak shows, yeah. and the not, that there's, not that there's anything wrong with those things, but when you've seen them a million times, it's like, man, can we do something fresh, man? Oh, can we like, yeah, dude. can we like do something different that that's new, you know, yeah. and that would be like refreshing, like, dude, I love Hell City, man. That's, like, probably one of my all-time favorite conventions now. Like, Derb, 
Derb has dialed that show in, dude, and it's unlike any other show, dude. Like, that's exactly what he does, dude. It's a it's a completely different flavor than any other convention that's put on out there. And, and uh, man, I mean, like, it's just over the top. The details into everything, dude, and it's just – it's an amazing show. Man. If you, you need to come do that one with us sometime. I would love to. Things – nearly impossible to get into i know james has been trying for like six seven years he still has yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take james next year dude so uh, i already promised him a spot with our booth uh next year we're the we are the official stencil sponsor of uh of hell city now so oh uh, that's huge so yeah dude i tried for it took me three years to get in there dude and uh and i'm friends with derb dude and it still took me three years to get in there and it's just because you know i had contracts with other companies and and, uh, you know, once that contract expired, you know, he came right to me and said, Hey dude, you want in, uh, I'm in. Yeah. Okay. I told him I'm in for life, dude. I'll, I'll, I'll never give this spot up, dude. I, I, I tried so hard to get into that show for so many years, dude. And I'm in there now and I'm not giving it up. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know? it's, that's probably one of the best shows I hear. You know, I started doing comic cons just to get out of it when Chris invited me. Comic cons are great, but you got two days to tattoo. You don't have a supply store there or company, so if you forgot anything, you're screwed. Or if you need anything, but it's so much more fun. No politics, none of the awards, no one fucking crying every time they don't win an award. It's great. Oh, <laughs> like, I dude, it. I know. I love those shows, man. When I was going to those with you guys, man, I, yeah, that's the best time in the world, dude. I mean, it's like it's complete opposite of a tattoo convention. It's like a tattoo convention. You have a thousand artists. And you got so many people coming through the doors in a weekend. And how many times have you been at a convention where you see an artist just sit all weekend and not even do one tattoo, right? It Too happens many all times. the time. Too many times. Yeah. At the Comic-Cons, I mean, I think, I don't know how many artists Chris is letting in the shows now, but back when, back when I was going around with you guys, you know, it was maybe 15 to 20 artists tops had tops, a show, yeah. Yeah. you know, and then you got 20,000 people coming through the doors in a weekend. Yep. And and every show I was at, dude, all the artists were tattooing like nonstop all weekend. Oh yeah. And some people pick and shoot, but most of these people they don't have big heads either, so they're not going to turn down small pieces. They'll just do them, you know. Tattoo conventions, people wonder why they're not busy. It's cuz you turn down 14 fucking pieces because it's not the skull you wanted to do. Like, right, dude. You're I mean, make money. Like, dude, I'd rather work at those Comic-Cons, man, because dude, it's all the geek and uh you know, pop culture stuff that I love anyways. And that like you, the guys like us love and dude, I'm going to get to do those kind of tattoos all weekend, dude. And it's, it's going to be the shit I want to do anyway. So yep. plus yep. I'm, plus I'm surrounded by like millions of freaking toys, millions of freaking comic books. You know I mean? I'm in heaven, yep. dude, basically the whole weekend I'm there. So it's like the perfect freaking thing for me. So you spend all your money on toys and comic books. That you oh made dude, <laughs> totally dude. I totally <laughs> did all that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I used to take an extra suitcase just so I could yeah. pack toys up to come home. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what am I going to sell at home to buy this? And I never end up selling it. I just buy it. <laughs> oh, it's great, though, dude. I know, man. Oh, it was surreal, really. The whole experience, you know, tattooing, you know, celebrities and just hanging out with celebrities and just stuff you never thought it would ever happen being a tattoo artist, you know, like Joe Schmo, tattoo artist, you know. It was really, you know. Thank Chris that I ever got that opportunity. And now, you know, I haven't done a show in a while, just family stuff, you know. But uh, I need to get back in also the tattoo convention circuit. Just uh, it's been too long, man. I 
I'm fading in this industry and I really can't allow that to happen. Yeah. It's been a while since you've been on the road with us, man. I don't even yeah. remember the last show you did with us. Devil's hollow. Yeah, that, that was like two years ago. Two then. Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that's My been a while, awesome. man. Well, yeah, you're, yeah. dude, you're, you're the, your luggage always gets lost. Your flight, yeah. all, you're the worst traveler I know, dude. Yeah, the worst Ever. travel luck. <laughs> Ever. We've I don't, been coined back, getting back bar. Yeah, dude, I actually don't. actually in the dictionary. Have you ever had a trip that something hasn't gone? Do, honestly, last year, maybe two flights, something went wrong. Other than that, dude, it was smooth. I don't know what happened. I don't want to jinx it, so. But I haven't traveled in a little bit, probably five months, so I really don't want to jinx it. But I've been having pretty damn good luck. I don't know what's going on, but I dig it. Yeah, that's good, man, because you used to have a lot of problems, man. It was horrible. I had the plane emergency land because there's smoke coming out of the freaking cabin because it ended up being a coffee maker or something, but whatever. Then one time, the plane just turned around like, yeah, the airport's closed. So we're just going to turn around <laughs> one time. No airplane even showed up to pick us up. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember like, up. I remember Evergreen like three or four years ago and you didn't, you had a booth with us there and I don't even think you showed up till like midday freaking Saturday or something it, like it that. It was like, Saturday night and I tattooed all day Sunday. Yeah. It was insane, man. Like, like I, you, yeah, you almost missed that whole convention pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Since I feel like since I moved to California, that's been better. Just flying out of the, out of Maine in the winter was just freaking impossible. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Being out here definitely helps for travel. I mean, I avoid LA as much as possible. But you came out to that convention, the Golden State. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been to that convention. one once. Yeah, it's a slow one. Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I, again, I'll say it, dude. I don't like. I don't like talking bad about anything, dude. I like. You know, I, I don't want to bash anybody's things, man, dude. But I, I personally that. I didn't do good at that show at all, man. Uh, it's too it's too expensive for me to travel out there for one if I'm not going to make money. You know what I mean? So like, yep. I just I, I I on shows like that where I end up upside down. Well, back then all I had was the stencil products too, man. So it's hard to make money at shows when you're just selling one product. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know, man. I don't know if I do that show anymore or not. I love California, dude. I love coming out there. Uh, it's a great place to come visit, and, and there's a lot of fun stuff to do out that way. And Yeah, do music if you're going to, you know. Yeah, dude, I totally want to do that show. And uh, actually, I got invited to do that show last year, but, uh, you know, it just conflicted with another show that we were doing. And uh, Yeah, was it Detroit or one of those? Um, I think it was actually maybe Hell City, I think. Isn't that on the same weekend? It could be. I know Evergreen's also on the same It weekend. was either Hell City or Evergreen. I can't remember, but... uh. One of the shows I was already doing. I mean, I had already paid for my booth at the other show, so I couldn't back out of it or anything. So, yeah. so I'll probably try to do Music next year. I think. I definitely, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to go out there and do that one for sure one time. Yeah, that one, dude. It's a party. <laughs> well, that's what well, I'm talking about. That's so big. That's like Hell City, dude. It's it's uh, different than the normal conventions. You know, it's a. Uh, that's what I mean. Those shows typically, to me, are the are the better ones to do. You know. Yep. Hey, we tried. 100%. I tried, I tried, uh, there was a group called Colors Couture, and I don't know if they're still touring or not. We, we, we linked up with them for a while. We were doing some stuff, and I think they're still touring. You know, it was like, uh, it was like Javo Scott and uh, some other artists uh, like that that were doing that one, and uh, they were just touring around. Uh, Colors Couture is put on by a guy named Ryan Darnell, and uh, he's actually like a music producer, uh, so he, He's got a lot of connections in the music industry, so 
he was already linked in with all these big outdoor music venues. And then uh, he formed Colors Couture and, and linked up with some tattoo artists to basically tour around to these music venues and, and set up a tattoo, uh, tattoo tent pavilion kind of a thing at these outdoor music events. And, and that was working all right. We, we did a couple high time shows with him. And uh, it wasn't very successful for us on the supply side of things. So we did a couple of those and then we didn't do any more. We just wasn't very financially uh, advantageous for us to do those. But but I did enjoy them. I thought it was a cool thing. You know, I mean, it was like one of those more unique things, kind of like the Comic-Cons where we talk about. You know, it's like thousands of people coming through the gate and a few tattoo artists, you know. So potential to make money is there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you yeah, get to sure. you get to you get to, in some cases like we did an interview with uh, Sid, uh, the DJ from Slipknot. So like that was that was a surreal moment for me, you know. And I would never have those opportunities if I didn't link up with with certain people in in these demographics and stuff. So it's cool if it's nothing else than that, you know what I mean? And and uh, yeah, yeah, networking is half the battle. Yeah, really. dude. And uh, and high times, my God, dude. I don't know if you've yeah. ever been to a high time show, dude, but that's, I was going to go with you and I was like, maybe dude, I'm, I'm telling you, you, I'm telling you, even <laughs> if you don't, even if you're not a, a, a marijuana connoisseur, dude, if you don't, if you don't smoke and you don't indulge in the product, dude, high times is a bucket list worthy event, dude. You should put that on your bucket list and you should go to one because it is a spectacle to, to observe, man, for sure. Like Damn, it is a yeah. crazy, crazy weekend, man. Man, people tattoo at freaking porn conventions. <laughs> yeah, are they like, still doing those? That sounds dirty. Yeah, I mean, I think they are, and I'm like, I don't think I would want to do it. I haven't. I, don't know. It doesn't seem I haven't seen one of those in a while, man. It's been a couple of years. Yeah, it's been at least a couple of years. Yeah, since yeah. I've heard of them. And the high times one, people, you know, people just trying to jump into, you know, especially tattooers in any kind of convention that's outside of the actual tattoo convention, which is great, you know. But comic cons, that's overdone now, like you got two big groups that are do those, you know, but, uh, yeah, any convention, you know, I would love to start a convention of some sort, but yeah, it's just so much going on. Like I can't even think of, dude, I'm just not good at that shit. You know, I'm a procrastinator. I, I can't run a convention with a being a procrastinator. Yeah. I know I, the ink fusion guys are still touring and doing the comic cons and, uh, another one of our sponsored artists, Mike Bianco is still touring with them. And, and, uh, yeah. So I know they're still having fun. They're still doing the Star Wars one, and and uh, yeah, yeah dude, that's a that's a huge lot. one, dude. And I think I'm actually going to try to go to that one with them next year. I, I definitely that's a, another one of those bucket list things, dude. I got to do that one time, you know. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, we'd still do the Walking Dead cons yeah, and stuff. They just had the Walker Stalkers. Those are cool too, yeah. dude. There's those a good. those are really. I don't personally enjoy those as much as I enjoy the comic cons just because there's not an, as much toys and, and uh, comic book vendors, you know, and, and though, that's more my thing, you know, like that's what I like to go to those shows for. But I do like the Walker stalkers just because of the amount of celebrities there. And it's a really cool opportunity to get in there and meet the people off the show that you like. And uh, I think one of them I went to, they even had like the sons of anarchy cast up in there. And so it's not yeah. just all walking dead uh, related stuff, you know, that, but but they had a whole lot of celebrities in those Walker Stalkers, a lot more than they do at the Comic-Con. So that's cool. Oh, yeah. Those and they do the Fan Fest Heroes and Villains, so they kind of combine all the Yeah, now. yeah. And, uh, it, I mean, shit, I got the tattoo John Bernthal, the Punisher. Dude, that was Chris. insane. Like, like, insane, what, dude. What is going on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a, just a good conversation. Just holy shit. And you tattooed crazy. Paige, too, right? 
Uh, nope, I didn't. I mean, we've become super good friends, you know, along the years and stuff. But uh, Kyler. Oh, yeah. And, Kyler uh, tattooed her. Right. Chris, right. Because Kyler Chris had a big did, crush yeah. on her. So, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think she had a big crush oh, on her. Oh, is that the way it was? It. I mean, yeah, good. Dude. You know, you know that's. But he's he's a he's a faithful man. I respect yeah, that. dude. So hey, she's a crazy she's a crazy woman, man. Yeah, she's she's fun, man. She's always been super nice, uh, you know. And now she's she's not wrestling anymore. She's just kind of doing yeah yeah. She, for WWE. She's the general so, manager on good. SmackDown now, right? Yeah, SmackDown. So that's that's good. For yeah, her. we probably that's, shouldn't start talking about wrestling, dude. That'll turn into a whole different oh, podcast, no, we, man. Because uh, yeah. I still watch yeah. wrestling yeah. every week, dude. I'm fucking. My wife fucking rags on me all the time. She's like, dude, you're 43 years old. Why are you still watching this shit? I'm like, dude, I don't know. It's the dumbest shit in the world. I don't know why the fuck I still watch it, but I do. <laughs> I don't know. It's, and it's not even great anymore, but I'm just like. No, dude, it's still so it's good stupid, wrestlers. dude. But like, uh, dude, last night I got amped, dude. I don't know if you watch this week's version of Raw, and then we'll get off this subject. But, dude, last night it kind of took me back to the freaking Attitude Era, dude. Now my freaking blood got pumping a little bit, dude, when the. When uh, did you watch it? I don't want to give you any spoilers. Oh no, you can tell me, man. I haven't watched oh, it. In oh, months, fuck. Dude. Uh, Dean Ambrose came back last night, dude, and it was a freaking hype moment, man. Like it, it was a good moment, dude. And I was like, man, this takes me back to like when wrestling was right. You know, in the '90s when it was violent and fun to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah attitude. Dude, I miss those days, dude. Everything's so fucking PG now, dude, and it's. Uh, it's so bad. I know the best wrestlers are. Females, oh, dude, man. the women's division is fucking retarded. Yeah, Charlotte. Oh so my good God, dude! So, dude, that freaking Charlotte Flair and Oscar match at WrestleMania was one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. That was the best match, probably. Dude, of the it, night. that match blew the freaking <laughs> doors off of like so much, man. I, I was like just blown away. I couldn't believe how well they performed. Like, and I know the shit's fake and it's all choreographed and all that, dude. But I'm just telling you, dude. When I when I hear yeah, people but... say that that stuff's fake and like, yeah, it, it hurts, hurts, dude. And it's it's not an easy job what those people do, man. So I have, no, six dude, days I have mad respect for those people, man. Like it's yeah, man. it's uh, we'll we'll end this conversation with Kenny Omega needs to just sign on hundred percent full on. Like Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers <laughs> right now. <laughs> So he's, he's yeah, dope. dude, and he's dude, dope. NXT man. I know you say you want to end it, but NXT dude, that freaking dude, that's dude, where it's it at. is good stuff, man. Ah, there's a lot of good yeah, talent. NXT is better than WWE. Oh, dude, man, yeah. Opinion. So, so you know why, dude? It reminds me of like uh, college sports versus professional sports, right? Like everybody in college sports is fucking playing their ass off, dude, because they're trying to get signed to the big leagues where they can make the big money. And everybody in pro sports, not everybody, but the majority of the professional athletes are just whiny fucking bitches that are overpaid, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's, it's the most freaking retarded shit, dude. So it's like, I don't even really like watching pro sports because of that. I'd rather watch college stuff because you're watching people that are playing for, with a purpose. Yeah, it's true. Hey, same with the tattoo industry. If we bring this back, like. People get big and they forget where they came from, and that's yeah. just—it's huge in this industry. Like, not everyone. There's so many humble people that are, you know, humble pie, man. Just straight up. Yeah, dude, that up. that burns so. me up, dude. That's a hot topic for me, and I—I I don't name drop again. I will never name drop, but there is an artist no, out there same. in particular that—that's really under my skin the last couple of years, dude. Because I've known this person for a good amount of time, and. uh 
I remember where they came from, dude. And they, you know, they started where we all start. They were, you know, they've gotten good over the years and they've gotten an ego over the years. And uh, now they feel entitled and they can treat people like shit. And they, it just doesn't fly in my book, dude. Um, it's, it's, it's a terrible, you, you need to have good bedside manner. I don't give a shit who you are, dude. You, you need to treat people with respect. You need to treat other artists with respect. You need to treat your clients, most importantly, with respect. Yeah, that's and, the biggest uh, thing. You know, uh, dude, another topic, too, dude, is like this freaking sexual harassment stuff, you know, and, and tattoo artists, dude, sexualizing their women clients, you know, and uh, dude, quit being fucking scumbuckets, dude, you know? Yeah, I, I you know, that's, a, that's a touchy subject with me. Dude. <laughs> you know, part of me, I'm like, I have to work my ass off. And my tattoos alone have to sell for people to sit in my chair. Female tattoo artists can wear a bra and model and be all sexy and stuff or whatever. And they get thousands of followers for that. Would I do that if I was a female? Yeah. Probably. But it's not You would. Fair. You would, right? dude. You would. Yeah, but it's just, you know, it's not fair. I don't know. I'm, I'm just crying about it pretty much. I'm like, I have to earn it through just strictly my art. Like, you know, marketing my art and, you know, I've girls have that extra marketing skill that they can use like dude if i pose half naked i'm gonna lose at least a thousand trust me you will dude because it happens to me all the time dude i put on a fucking tutu or some stupid shit like that and put a picture dude and all of a sudden i lost 100 instagram followers i'm like what the fuck yeah dude it's how it is i'm like you know it's it's almost it's just kind of not fair i don't know i can't use that marketing you know and i'm like and if I did it, if I put my butt cheeks and all that stuff out there, people would be like, oh, that's unsolicited. You know, you can't send that <laughs> stuff, you know. But I'll be scrolling down my feed and I see, like, vagina tattoo, tits, vagina tits. Like, I'm like, that's unsolicited. I didn't ask to see this, you know. But hey, whatever. But I agree. Sexual harassment, and I see it more times than – because that's how the industry was. We've had rock star mentalities for a long time this the closest to rock star you can get is tattoo artists, you know, is a rebel thing. And people just talk like that shop talk, but Hey, you can't do it anymore because just as many females are getting tattooed as males. And you gotta be careful. Know your audience too. Like know your, your company, like people are freaking getting carried away with it. And it's not just talking. It is the physical aspect of it. And, but we've been sexually harassed. As oh men. yeah, for sure. You know, for I've sure. Had girls touch me inappropriately while tattooing long Dude, time I ago. Yeah, I have the same thing, but it's mostly other dudes doing it to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know I like what that. it is, dude. I, I'm a I'm a magnet for uh, for other men, I, and I don't know why. I don't I don't feel like I put off that vibe, but apparently I do. I don't <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, I mean, it happens with women sometimes too, but more often, other men are hitting on me, and I don't fucking get it. <laughs> Well, go back to five minutes ago when you said you were posting pictures. Yeah, pictures. that might be it. Huh? <laughs> but even before that, even yeah. before that, that's just me being me, dude. Like, uh, people will be like, dude, what, what the, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like, why? I'm like, dude, I just don't fucking care what people think, dude. If I, if I want to put a tutu on and run down the freaking street, I will. You know what I mean? I, I don't care what, yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy the shock value that I get out of other people, dude. And that's why I do things like that. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not because I'm mentally deranged or off the rail or anything. It's just because I like the shock and all, dude. You know what I mean? I like, I like people to look at me and be like, "What the fuck?" You know, that that's like a fucking 
that's the thrill to me, man. You know, that's what gets my adrenaline going, dude. So I, that's why I do things yep. like that. Yep. No, it's true. I'm feeling like after this conversation, that's probably why you don't get a <laughs> Oh, dude, you don't even uh, want to talk about our underwear wrestling match. You don't want to bring that up on a podcast. I mean, in Reno, I mean, that is in Reno, Reno. <laughs> Exactly. That's close enough to Vegas. <laughs> but now... Just so you know, we are sort of joking. <laughs> sort of joking. I would share a hotel room with you anytime, dude. There's no gay. Sh- yeah, no. We, we, There's we a lot fun. of gay talk, but no gay shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, but yeah, man, it's the industry's crazy, man. It's crazy, and I've only been in it 15 years, and I'm like, shit has drastically changed. But hey, people say you have to adapt to it. I feel there's certain traditions that need to stick. I think that's why I started the podcast in general. Is like traditions need to stick. We can't just let we can't let the old timers or whatever adapt to all the new timers that are, I feel doing things wrong. So I'm just trying to point it out there. Hey, let's keep the tradition in tattooing. No, it's like a fraternity. you got to earn this shit. And it's not for everyone. Not everyone should be a tattooer. You could be a great artist. Well, if you can't, you know, handle the tough times of tattooing, you shouldn't be in it, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, we could talk about that topic for a long time too, probably because, um, I, I, that's another one of those things that I have mixed feelings on because um, I'm all about traditions, but like I'm also about evolution, like I said before, and and progressing the industry too. And and uh, I think some of those traditions that were 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 a good idea 30 years ago aren't necessarily a good idea anymore. So I think sometimes you have to evolve and change the way that you traditionally do things uh, to make your job easier to make your clients experience better uh just those types of things you know and and nowadays it's it's even harder to get a a, a traditional apprenticeship because you don't you don't have a a good number of old school tattoo artists that number one have the time to, to do an apprenticeship with someone or number two uh have the desire to do to do apprenticeships anymore so so those resources for aspiring tattoo artists are dwindling now, you know? So it's like artists now that want to get apprenticeships are really struggling to find them. And more often than not, they just get frustrated because they keep running into brick walls. And I think a lot of times they're trying to do things the right way in the traditional way, but then they, they can't find that outlet. So that's when they end up doing it out of their house and fucking people up for a while until they finally teach themselves the right way. Dude, I know a lot of world-class artists out there that are self-taught, man, that didn't have apprenticeships. You know For what sure. I mean? So sure. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's the right way or the wrong way to go about it. Uh, all I'm going to say on the matter is that my opinion is one that if you are a veteran tattoo artist and you don't have the ability to, to offer a person an apprenticeship that comes to you asking for one, it's, it's in your best interest and the best interest of the industry as a whole to help them find an apprenticeship or help set them on the right track if it's not going to be you doing it, help them find someone that will help them and educate them to do things the right way. Because if you treat them like shit and you send them out the door and tell them they don't belong in the industry or that they don't have any right doing it, well, guess what? They're just going to go do it any fucking way. Whatever you say is not going to change their mentality or make them not want to do it any less. They're just going to go out and keep fucking people up. And in general, that's bad for us uh, as artists. I mean, you already got you already have government agencies looking into our industry because of how big it is now, you know? So it's when, yep. when you have yep. things like that transpiring, you know, all you need is a few cases of, of hepatitis or, uh, you know, other communicable diseases going, 
going rampant in your in your area because you have somebody scratching out of their house and they don't know anything about bloodborne pathogens or cleaning or sterilization or cross-contamination you know those are the basic things that people need to learn before they start tattooing so no i agree we walk a thin line though you know it's like we keep letting them in and oversaturating when we have fucking thousands in shops that should still be apprenticing oh dude you you got apprentices teaching apprentices dude you yeah I, exactly. I see apprentices exactly. with apprentices, and I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You can't even tattoo a straight line. What are you doing teaching this dude how to tattoo? Yeah, man. it's it's, And that's, I guess, my thin line of, like, let's teach the people that are already in the industry instead of keep inviting more or kick those people out and bring the good ones in. Yeah, it's, it's easier said than done, obviously. But, like, all I want to see is good tattoos. I, w- I wish. I wish we could just walk in the streets and – not 30% of the 20% of the time see a good tattoo, but I want to see like 80% of the time we look and like, wow, sick tattoo. I like seeing good tattoos, like from other artists. I'm like, dope. That's dope. Then you see stuff. You're like, ugh. you want it covered? You know, you don't say it to them, but like you should probably get, well, that and covered, that's, you know, but and I, I, I yeah, dude. And that's why, um, that's why a lot of, uh, I think, you know, like Heather Miranda's got her, uh, Oregon Academy of art out there now. And, uh, a lot of these tattoo schools have tried to pop up and I, I do applaud the people that are trying to actually do these the right way. Um, I know that there's some of those tattoo schools that have popped up where there are people that aren't even in the industry and they're basically just trying to charge people that want to be tattoo artists, tens of thousands of dollars to basically take them in there and teach them a bunch of shit, you know, uh, people in places like that should be, uh, you know, swiftly uh, boycotted in the industry. And I think in most cases they have been, but I think a lot of that's actually trickled over to the people that are actually trying to, to do it the right way, you know? And uh, to me, dude, I'm a big proponent on education, dude. I, I'll, I'll be the, I'll be on the front line supporting education every day of the week, dude. Like I will support people like Heather Miranda and other tattoo artists that want to open up a tattoo school. A hundred percent support for me, dude. Like I think it's a good thing because uh, I don't see anything wrong, dude, with establishing a, a, a college level a setting where you're not necessarily teaching people how to tattoo, but you're teaching them things like anatomy and color theory. And, uh, you know, uh, you're teaching them about different skin types. And, dude, because even like me, like uh, everything I learn about skin type, I learn by trial and error, dude. Like, what, what do you do yeah. if you get somebody that comes and sits in your chair that has a skin condition like psoriasis or, uh, some funky yep. skin condition where the the skin reacts differently to the ink or a uh, fucking some people you can't even tattoo dude like that kind of stuff if you haven't been taught that kind of stuff and the last thing you want to do is learn it when you when you're actually doing the tattoo yeah yeah exactly <laughs> when they sit down you're like halfway through like uh, yeah dude so <laughs> so i don't see anything wrong with um tattoo schools per se that are trying to offer artists that type of an education you know i I think i I think those things are good you know and i think even dude even if you go back to the traditional apprenticeships dude you're you're not going to go back and get an old school tattoo artist that's going to be able to teach you anything about any of of that particular subject matter you know they weren't taught that way either no i agree i think Maybe even people should do like a little trade school. And then after that, like, you know, people go to college and then they get an internship. I'd say maybe do trade school like Heather's running or something that teaches you a lot. And then from there you go to an apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that would be the best bet to do. Yeah, it. you know, it would be cool. And I don't think anybody's actually doing uh, this particular method. And I hadn't even thought about it until we were just talking. But uh, and and what you just said kind of sparked it. But like, what if what if uh, you know what if somebody started a school and uh, it could even be one that's already out there. You know, like and maybe you know maybe you link up with some artists that say, yeah, sure, I'll take on um, I'll do three apprenticeships out of your school or. Uh, you know, and then and then that school basically vets them. Right. So it says, like, we got 20 students out of these 20 students. You know, we're going to take five of you guys and get you hooked up with an apprenticeship. And it'll be with the artists that are that are collaborating with us that we're networked with. And, and uh, you know, artist A said he'll take two artists and artist B said he'll take two and artist C said he'll take two. So out of this out of this term, we're going to take six artists that we feel are our, are our top students and that are going to excel on the next level and we'll pair them up with the artist for the actual apprenticeship. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that'd be a good way to do it. Yeah. And what, do you think these schools should cost money? Oh, absolutely, dude. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously because it's cost money to put that school on, dude. I, most people yep. I know don't have big bankrolls where they can afford to pay for that stuff out of their own pocket, you know? So if nothing else, you have to be able to charge at least, whatever it's costing you to put that on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and just I like mean, any other school, you know, there's tuition with whatever school you do, but. Yeah, that's how I feel on apprenticeships. I feel like people think, no, you shouldn't charge, you earn it. You know, you shouldn't charge. I feel if someone comes into my shop, hey, I'm looking for an apprenticeship. I'm like $6,000. They're going to say, nah, never mind. They might get an apprenticeship somewhere else. But if I say, yeah, okay, well, that's just inviting more apprentices in. Most people, if everyone's like, yeah, it's going to cost you this much, we're going to have less apprentices. Almost every shop has an apprentice. I said when I got my shop, I'm not going to take one. So well, you've I, had a couple in the really past. Was. In the past, and I regret it. You know, Not regret it, you know, but it bit me in the ass severely. You know, like one ended up just trying to charge me to tattoo at the shop I gave him for free. Right, you know? right. <laughs> yep, I remember that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of shit that yep. happened, you know, like. And that's probably my fault for not teaching him the discipline and teaching him the respect in this industry. But I think the lack of like traditional apprenticeships, there's a lack of respect also now. And people just don't give a shit. That's why it's a dog eat dog world now is because no one's earning it. Everyone can tattoo out of their house and become good and get into a shop. We got YouTube. You can learn to tattoo off YouTube. I hate to say it. You can order supplies from eBay to get started. Sucks. But that's how it is. And it's just it's sad, man. I don't know. I, I feel like no one wanted to teach me for my first eight years. And I had to fucking beg people, you know, after an apprenticeship and all that. And still no one wanted to. And now it's like, here it is. We'll just hand it out to you guys. Like, it's yeah, crazy. Uh, you know, another another method. And, and if and I always try to help people out, dude, I really do. And if I can't and if I don't have a resource to to send someone to for an education, um, because it is hard to find them, dude. Like I, I had one artist in particular try to buy some supplies from me at a convention and, uh, you know, we screen everybody, even at the conventions, dude. You know, we ask people if they're in a shop. We ask them for business cards. And uh, and uh, one artist in particular told me that he was tattooing out of his house. And I said, look, dude, I'm not going to sell supplies to you, but I'll tell you what. Stop by my shop. I'll 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 work with you, dude, because I can tell that you're really – like he showed me some of his artwork on his phone, and he was a decent artist. You know what I mean? I felt like he had had some good potential, man. He even showed me some of the tattoos he was doing, and they weren't terrible. You know, they needed work. But I, I felt like there was enough there to where the guy was worth investing in further. And, uh, and I just told him, come by my shop, and I'll reach out to some people that I know in, my, in, in our hometown, and, and uh, 
I'll see if I can find you an apprenticeship. It took me a while, dude, but I actually did find somebody that was willing to work with him and I got him in a shop and it worked out that time, you know? So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, dude, I just think you gotta, I think you gotta do those things, man. You know, try to help people out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to help. And I like to, to be honest, like I love to help people that are already in the industry. If they ask for advice or ask for any tips on anything, I love helping out here. It's hard. You try to critique someone without them asking like, Hey man, you know, oh, they get so pissed off at you and butthurt, delete you, block you, all that stuff. And I needed that. I needed someone, this one guy, I hated him at the time, but he's like, you're a fucking terrible tattoo artist. You shouldn't be tattooing this down, blah, blah, blah. And I was it's not like he was wrong. You know, I was terrible. And, uh, but that's what motivated me to get to where I am. I'm like, I'll show that fool. I'll show that fool. And Hey, it helped me. And maybe not all people learn like that, but criticism is everything. Like you need to be critiqued on your tattoos. You will never get better if you're not having people critique you. It's the biggest thing in this industry. That's an awesome network. Yeah. Thing and, too. and, you know, here's, and, and here's the thing, this would be my advice to somebody that, um, really, really wants to be a tattoo artist that can't find an apprenticeship but wants to do things the right way, this is what I would tell you to do step-by-step. Step. I would tell you, first off, go to your doctor, get hepatitis vaccinations, first things first. Dude, every tattoo artist should have a hepatitis vaccination, period. So go get that done. It's like a three-step thing. You got to get three shots, but then you're protected, right? Get that mm -hmm. shit done. Go take a bloodborne pathogen class. Uh, go through your freaking county health department get any licenses and all that shit out of the way, get all that education, first aid, CPR, get all that shit done. Then, then after you have all that and you're educated and you understand cross-contamination and you understand AIDS and hepatitis and bloodborne diseases and how to properly clean and kill bacteria and, and bloodborne diseases, then if you can't find an apprenticeship, find your favorite artist, spend some freaking money, go get tattooed by them, at most cases, from what I know and from my experience, if you sit down in a person's chair and you pay them to tattoo you, they will tell you anything you want to know while they're tattooing you. You can ask them questions yeah. about the needles they're using. Why do you run your machine at that speed? What, you know, why do you use that particular machine? Talk to me about that ink you're using. Why do you put the ink in the way that you're doing that? You can ask them anything you want. In most cases, they're going to tell you what they know that most artists that I know like to share that knowledge with other artists and you're already paying them and then you tip them well, dude, you know what I mean? Tip them for that. And that's how you can start getting that education. And that doesn't mean you go out and get one tattoo from Nico Hurtado and all of a sudden you go back, I'm going to open up a shop and start tattooing on people. That's not the way it works. <laughs> yeah. You need to do that a bunch of times and you need to freaking get that education. You need to go to events like uh, explore a conference and impact project and, seminars it yep. shows and that's how you get that education and you pay for that education yep. if you can't get a traditional apprenticeship then that's the way you go about learning and you yeah. buy those dvds like franco viscovi's portrait dvd or you know you watch those things over and over and over and over again before you ever tattoo on anyone oh yeah seminars are everything honestly i feel a lot of these seminars are just money makers for tattooers i feel like go to some and i'm like this seminar is literally for someone who just started tattooing a week ago like you're giving us no helpful information i'm not going to say names of who's convent who's uh you know seminars that are like that but i've been to a few that i spent a lot of money and i'm like really come yeah. on you know but then he did like 
Russ Abbott or any of those, and they're freaking amazing, you know? Like, there's some great ones out there, you know, Timmy B or one of those, but, like, there's some, like, I can't, I'm like, why did I, you literally just did this for, to get a bunch of money, you know, that kind of sucks, but it is Yeah, we it did, is. we did, hey, it's a we business. did one with Steve Butcher one time, dude, and, um, it was originally supposed to be, like, a two-hour seminar, and, um, and I helped him put it on, it was at Devil's Hollow. We, we put a yep. big screen up in the room. I had cameras hooked up so that we could have cameras on him and everything would be on the big screen because the room was packed full of people. I mean, he had, I, I think we had 70 people in that seminar, probably at least. And, uh, dude, that seminar ended up going for seven hours. That was when he was tattooing. Joe. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, like he didn't kick anybody out of the room. He just, he kept on freaking tattooing, dude. And by the end of it, the ones that stuck around were all like up in the front of the room around him, asking him questions. He was answering everybody's questions. I mean, yeah, yeah dude. dude. I mean, and that's the way, that's the way a seminar should be. You know what I mean? Like it should be an educational uh, event. You know, it should be an educational moment, you know? And I've seen, I've seen yeah. a lot of other artists put on seminars like that too, man, you know? And uh, like sure, you said, I think sure. a lot of them do it really well. And I think a lot of them just kind of scrimp to make the bucks and, you know, so, so get feedback from other people about which ones are the good ones to do, because most of the people that I know, they do the same seminars over and over and over again. So enough people yeah. have seen them to where you can get feedback to know whether it's a good one to go to or not. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. That's the biggest uh, networking once again, you know, and guest spotting, like you said, you go to another shop, you're never going to get better working for, you know, with people that are worse than you, you're always going to get better with that healthy competition and someone you can learn from, even, even if they're like, there's arts, not that great. There's some people you can still learn from that are, you know, even newer. You're like, ah, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Cause maybe they have no color theory very well, but their tattooing, you know, technique isn't there yet. So there's always something you can learn from other people and you can learn from teaching because you go back to the basics and all that. I, that's all I want. I just want people to learn more, man. I, that's really all I stress about is quality control, you know, with you with supplies, me with tattooing, you know. When I first, when you first started, sponsored me as Kryptonite, I was not a great artist, you know, but you had faith in me. And I feel like grew a lot just through that and uh, gave me more of a confidence too. And uh, I don't know, man, I just, I just want to get better all the time. But out here, it's so hard. It's not a lot you can learn off of because people are just mean, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and sponsorship's a good thing to talk about too, you know, because it's uh it's a pretty frequent topic in my world anyways, you know, we get no joke, you know, we get four or five sponsorship applications a week at least, you know, and, yeah, and that's a lot, dude, you know, it's a lot to keep up with, man. And, and uh, you can't sponsor everybody, dude. I mean, you got to pay the bills, dude. And, and if you're sponsoring everybody that wants to get sponsored, you, you, you're, you know, it defeats the purpose of being in business at some point in time. But I think, I think sponsorships, you know, for the people that are, that are always asking, you know, and I know there's a lot of questions around how people get sponsored and things, but the way it works in the world of Electrum, dude, is it's not like everybody that I sponsor, dude, is a friend of mine and it's people that I've gotten to know over time. You know, it's not like I don't typically go to shows and just find somebody that has phenomenal artwork and then immediately want to sponsor them just because they're, they've been on TV or they're a well-known artist or, that's not usually my driving factor. You know, I, I, I would prefer to sponsor people that are, that are humble, uh, that carry themselves in a professional manner, that promote themselves well, uh, carry themselves professionally, and people that I can just be genuine friends with. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Um, that's what I look for before I even look at their artwork, you know, um, obviously artwork's a part of it. You know, you, you know, you want to have the best of the best, but that's not always what's the most important factor to me anyways. Yeah. And there are best of the best that are super down to earth people. And you've seemed to find those guys. And, you know, obviously there's been some trial runs along the years, you know, some people that didn't, you know, weren't like you expected them to be, you know, but yeah, that's why I respect what you do because, you know, there's a lot of those sponsorships that as soon as people get on Ink Master, they're instantly sponsored by these companies. You're like, oh, well, dude, there's quick. there's other companies out there, right? And again, no name dropping, but there's another there's other companies out there that will just they'll sponsor everybody, dude. And and a sponsorship to them is like here's twenty percent off or thirty percent off on a website, right? Yep. And it's like um, like one company in particular, there were artists coming into my shop buying stuff, and um, they would buy a, a specific product, and they'd be like. Oh yeah, I'm sponsored by that. And then I'd pick up a magazine and I'd be like, well, what do you get being sponsored by that? And they're like, well, I get 20% off. And so then I'd pick up like Payne magazine and I'd open it up to a full page ad in there. I'd say, well, Hey, look at here. They just ran an ad and they're giving everybody in the world 20% off with this coupon code. So how valuable is your sponsorship? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. Like, you're getting the same yeah. thing. They're giving every freaking buddy else. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just, you're just, you're just getting that 20% off. So you'll hashtag their products on Instagram and whatnot, you know? that's yep. what it's all about you know and uh and to me that's those are the people in the industry that are that are just kind of working to, to skim off the industry man you know yeah yep and there's a lot of those it sucks so uh, but unfortunately dude a lot of the artists out there just don't have that knowledge dude they don't they don't know those things dude when when you're in your shop every day and you don't really get outside the four walls of your shop to see what's going on in the rest of the world dude it's it's easy to get those things past people, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very true. Very true. But yeah, man, it's, it's a good convo there. Yeah, Rob. dude. I, I feel, I feel like me and you could talk for hours and hours and hours, dude, really. I mean, there's so yeah. much. Yeah. I'd love to do another yeah, podcast where we just talk about wrestling, dude. That would be a fun one. I mean, <laughs> I'm down for that. I know? think we got to get like Casey Baker in on that one too, man. Cause he's uh, oh, a, yeah. Sure. I always like talking about wrestling with that dude too, man. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, we could do a whole episode. Yeah, can, 90s, 2000s. Wrestling. How many people can you patch into these podcasts? More than two? Dude, I think up to 10. Oh, yeah, dude. Then we totally need to do that. We, You yeah, totally need yeah. to book a wrestling podcast, dude. And, and freaking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could do. I'm thinking like the end of the year trying to get all the tattooers I've had guest spot on here on one you know, so we could all just kind of chat it up and just be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, dude, I'm going to be, uh, I'm real close to getting my podcast off the ground too. You know, Electrum Radio, that's going to be coming real soon. I've got, uh, I've been procrastinating and kicking the tire for about a year and a half now, man. I mean, literally I've, I spent all this money on this studio equipment and it's literally just sitting up in the upstairs room of my house, uh, in boxes (laughs) still. I just have not had time to get anything set up. And, uh, here in the next couple of weeks, I've got, I've got the Detroit summer show coming up this weekend and then hell city Phoenix the weekend after that. But, uh, I think the weekend following is when I'm actually going to try to get all my stuff set up and launch the podcast. So, uh, the point is I'd love to have you as a guest on my podcast at some point. Down oh, hell yeah. And, uh, I would be honored. Yeah, dude. It's yep. going to be different, man. I'm going to do some different stuff. I don't want to give away too many details cause I don't want uh, what I said to you earlier, protect yeah, your exactly. ideas, right? Like I'm not going to tell people exactly yeah. what all the content of my stuff is, but, it will be a tattoo podcast, but it will bring a different element to 
to uh, any tattoo podcast that I'm currently familiar with anyway. It'll be a little bit different. Hell so I'm pretty yeah. excited about it, man. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah, dude. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, well, it was fun. Cool, dude. man. Fun. Yeah, anytime. Well, look, look forward to talking to you again soon in the Hell City next year, dude. Put it in your calendar, dude. I'm taking you. Awesome. All man. right. Yeah, I'm down. 100%. All right, man. All right. Well, thanks, Rob, for uh, joining us today. And thanks for listening to But What Do I Know with Rob Smead from Electro. Thanks, bro. Take care, and I'll see you guys next week. Anything you have to add, Rob? No, dude. We'll talk soon. I'm, I'm glad I got to be your best guest of all time. Hell yeah. <laughs> the one. The only. Rob later. Smead. All right. Later.